Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives. And even tonight, Lord, do something in our midst that would the long-term benefit transform lives and cause our church to be more influential in the earth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Uh, hey, I started Sunday a series, and, it's, and I, hey, it's more than a series. It's, a, it's something that God's calling us to, to step it up. Everybody say, step it up. Well, here's what I shared with you. You can turn to First Timothy if you like. Here's what I shared with you last Sunday morning about just what some of you have told me. What, what does this mean to step it up? It means to advance, to increase the intensity of something, to rise to the challenge, to lift to another level. And I'm telling you, that just fires me up to think. How many of you know, uh, how many of you have ever been on a retreat? All right, here we go, the women's retreat. And, and, and the, the mindset is we're retreating from everyday life. But how many of you know we need to always be on an advance? We don't need to be retreating. We need to be advancing, stepping it up, uh, and increasing the intensity. How many of you have some things in your life personally? You know you need to incre- increase the intensity uh, of something. You know, Jesus, you remember the disciple, when Jesus had his darkest hour just prior to his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, what was he doing? He was heating up his prayer life, and he was a prayer, uh, but his disciples couldn't get it. They were just tired, and they kept falling asleep, uh, and he would say, could you not tarry with me one hour? Couldn't you just crank it up a little bit? Couldn't you just step it up with me? Everybody say, step it up to rise to the challenge. I believe God's called us and challenged us in something. He's challenging me in some things, and this message is going to be a part of that. Uh, but, hey, let's let's realize, you know what? Uh, the walk with Christ is a challenge. It's a calling. He wants us to go from glory to glory. He wants us to lift us uh, to another level and step it up. So it's a partnership, amen? We're never going to step it up. The Holy Spirit's never going to just step us up. Uh, we got to cooperate. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to cooperate. We got to cooperate. So with that in mind, I want to show you some things, and I'm not sure how far we'll go and how wide and how deep we'll go, but when I began to think about step it up, I thought about Paul and Timothy. I thought about Timothy as his son in the faith uh, and how Paul wrote to Timothy uh, these two letters. Uh, and if you look at both letters, if you turn to First Timothy chapter 1, if you look at both letters, what you're going to see, it's really Paul's encouragement. We're going to look at their relationship tonight and then let their relationship inspire us and, 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 and encourage us tonight. Uh, but uh, uh, it really was a letter to encourage him in the ministry responsibilities he had, especially at that moment in Ephesus. Uh, it was a step it up letter. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, as a, a letter from, you know, the commander in chief, you know, with a, with a stern warning, you better step it up or you're going to, it was not that at all. And I'll show you that tonight. It was a, it was a loving, uh, instructional, uh, encouraging two of them letters really for, for Timothy's sake to step it up. Everybody say step it up. So we're going to look look in this vein for a while, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, I just, as I just got started on this, I realized, ooh, there's so much here, and I just realized even my introduction, oh, there's so much here that I want us to see. Uh, with that in mind, let me just read you a couple of verses. Really, 
to, let me just read the first two verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which, or in harmony with and in accordance with the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son. Uh-oh, that's Second Timothy, pardon me. I was going to read that too, but here we go. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God and sa- our God and Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now go to Second Timothy. Let me just show you this. Both of them to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And everyone said... Amen. Paul and Timothy's relationship was very unique and it was very special. And I want to just show it to you. I just want to give you some information tonight and kind of just shine a light on this Paul Timothy, this Apostle Paul, uh, and this son in the faith, which means Paul would be, have been a father in the faith and how they related to one another. But let me just kind of put it, fill in some blanks. Paul, it says, He was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the command of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So, you know, you know, Paul said very clearly, I'm an apostle. Now, there's a lot we could say about what an apostle is, uh, you know, uh, and are apostles still here today? Well, a couple of weeks ago... Here on our anniversary service, there was a couple in the house at, at the very least. I believe Pastor Ron has an apostolic grace on his life. Uh, and I'll explain that momentarily. Uh, and I believe, and, uh, uh, Brother Larry Myers is undoubtedly an apostle of God. In fact, if you remember Ephesians 5, it's called the fivefold ministry. Let me, everyone say fivefold ministry. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians four or five. I'm, uh, you'll have to look, but he's talking about the equipping of the saints. He's given us the fivefold ministry. And here they are. The apostle, everyone say the apostle. I'm going to explain to you in a minute why the thumb, you could call that the apostle. Here's the prophet. He's the, he's pointing the fingers and thus saith the Lord. Here's the evangelist. He's reaching out further than everybody else. Here's the ring faker, which is the pastor. He's kind of married to the church. He's the, he's the, the relational element. And here's the little, the little guy is the teacher. Uh, he's kind of, he picks apart. He's kind of the, you know, I'm digging, you know, picky part. That's just kind of help you remember. Uh, so everyone, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? It's called the fivefold ministry. You can read about it in Ephesians. Now, here's what some, some people say about the apostle, and Paul was an apostle. Uh, you know, what, let me back up, let me affirm. What does the prophet, what's his primarily gifting and grace? Prophecy, he's a prophet. What, what's the evangelist? He, he evangelizes. What, what's the pastor? He, he's married to the church. He takes care of the church. And the teacher, he te- that, that's, their, that's their strength. Now, let me show you what the apostle does. If you need a prophet, he can be a prophet. If you need an evangelist, he can be evangelistic. If you need a pastor, he, he can be a pastor. He can, if you need a teacher, he can be a teacher. He can touch all those areas. Now it's, it's kind of hard for the others to, you, you see, that's just a little illustration to help you understand. So here we have Paul the apostle. 
And let me just say to you, really, if you want to make it, and it's a, and it is a designated office in the kingdom of God. And so we have apostles in our network of ministers, people who, who are really apostolic. But for our sake, and to kind of help you, when you look back historically at the apostle Paul and really other apostles, uh, they were builders and they were birthers, if you will. Uh, they built things and they gave birth to things. They established ministry, okay? And so when you look at Paul and Timothy's relationship, are we there, Ike? Did I get that for you? Uh, there we go. Uh, oh, man, I missed this whole part. I'm sorry, you can, you can ditch that. I thought I had a slide explaining this. That's my fault. Pardon me. No, you can go back. Go back. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm sorry. I messed you up. I thought I had this uh, little uh, this little part, but I don't. And so there's Paul the apostle. He was always building things and giving birth to things and establishing things. And he traveled around and he went on missionary journeys. And that's what he did. He would come to a place and 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 begin to establish. He would preach the gospel. People would begin. He would be an evangelist. And but then he would begin to bring order and structure. And he had a few guys that really worked with him. Timothy was one of his primary guys that worked with him, his true son in the faith, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, and, and so, and then there was others, uh, uh, Barnabas for a season, but not a lot. Uh, and then Titus was among them. And then Silas was one, but Timothy was really his right hand man. And so, and, and and he called him a true son in the faith. And then Second Timothy, he called him a beloved son. So you see the relationship. How many of you know this is not just a working relationship? This is not just, hey, come on, boy, we're going to go change the world together. And you better do what I, you better watch what I do and, and say what I say and follow me. No, this was a father-son type of relationship. Uh, and it was strong. It was stout. It was sound. And I'm going to explain to you in a few moments. In fact, I'm going to give us some questions to think about tonight in reference to our relationships in the kingdom of God. They're a great role model of relationship and how ministry ought to take place. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, it's, it's a revelation, it's a re revelatory thought in a lot of people's mind that pastors and, and staff members and church members and leaders and, and deacons and, and, and ministry in the church should have a depth of relationship that goes beyond just professional, our professional responsibility to change the world together. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, think about, now, let me just show you Timothy for a moment, because Timothy served Paul. It was kind, he was kind of like an interim pastor. Some people said he was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, and Paul was, and, and that may be true, but kind of when you look at the pattern of what Timothy did, he would, some, he would go before Paul in some cases. When Paul knew he was going to a city and to a church, he would send Timothy ahead to prep or whatever and to prepare the people. People and, and then sometimes uh, Timothy would stay, okay? He, after they'd been there a while, uh, he, would, he would cause... How many of you know that'd be maybe a little unnerving? You think, man, this is my father in the faith. And, and you know, it's not like you get on the bus and travel. You know, Timothy says, I'm, I'm out of here. I want you to stay for a seat. <laughs> you know, and so he really invested in him a lot of ministry responsibility. Uh, let me just show... 
let me, let's go quickly. You want to do a little quick run through the Bible? Let's go to Acts. I want to show you this just so you know and just so you see how it worked and how Timothy served Paul the apostle. Go to Acts uh, uh, chapter 17 quickly. Man, I thought I had that slide up there. I guess I just messed up. Uh, I, Acts 17. Uh, maybe it was my notes I looked at. Look at Acts 17. I want to show you verse 13 through 16. Here's, here's how it works. Verse 13 through 16. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came and also stirred up the crowds. In other words, there, uh, there was controversy. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. You see it? So Timothy remained. So those who conducted Paul brought brought him to Athens and received a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him without speed. Then they departed. So so you see that kind of go and stay thing there. Look at Acts 18, uh, verse 5. Look at this. And he, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he took his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your hands, I will clean. And he departed from there, verse 7, entered the house of a certain uh, man. And it's pretty clear that... Uh, that uh, uh, Silas and Timothy, uh, again, stayed there for a season and worked it all out. Look at Acts 19, verse 22. Acts 19, 22. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. So you see that working in the book of Acts when Paul was uh, working uh, and serving uh, uh, the, the nations or the regions of the world and evangelizing and, and being what apostles do and being apostolic. He used Timothy, his beloved son in the faith, to kind of stay and stabilize or go ahead and prepare, all those kinds of things. Let me show you a couple of really good verses. Go to Philippians. I want you to see this relationship and, and because it, it, it grows. It goes Ephesians, Philippi, Ephesians, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians. Look in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19 through 25. I'm laying a little foundation. I want you to see this relationship. Now, this is where it gets really cool. But I trust in the Lord. He's writing to the Philippian church. I trust in the Lord. It's really a letter, by the way, of thanksgiving for their generosity. They were givers. I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. You see, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like mine. And now he's talking about Timothy. Watch this, how he describes Timothy. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, God, there it is, As a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Let me just say to you, as a son with his father in in that day, and really in Jesus' day, that was the natural progressive. uh, You know, today, you know, sons don't necessarily have to follow in their father's footsteps, but that's the accepted norm. You know, who was Jesus in his early days? He was a, and he was the son of a 
carpenter. That was the expect. Paul, the apostle, was a tent maker. I wonder where he learned that. He got it from his daddy. So those trades were passed down father to son. And so that was the accepted norm. And Paul's saying, let me just tell you about this Timothy now. This son, he's my true son in the faith. And, and there ain't, there's nobody like this boy. There's nobody. They're, they're, they all seek their own. There's the, for I have no one like-minded. Everyone say no one. I'm telling you, Timothy was a cut above them all. He said, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state that is important. He, he said, in, in fact, what was he? Timothy has my heart. He knows my heart. He has my heart for you. And, and as I love you, he's going to love you. And he says, for all seek their own and not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself should also come shortly. And so you see this relational connection uh, uh, that they have. And again, I'm laying a foundation, so don't, don't think I'm off track when it comes to stepping it up because this relationship is an example to us that we need to look into a little further. Let me show you one more. First Thessalonians, keep going, take a right. First Thessalonians, it's, uh, Thessalonians, then Timothy. First Thessalonians, um, three, verse one through six. Look at this. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God. Now, catch this right here. What has he called him in the, in, in, I don't know if it's in the past. I think it is. He called him his son in the faith. And now it's almost like Timothy has graduated a little bit uh, and has matured some. And even though when he's writing to him personally, he's still son. But when he's writing to other churches now, he's he called him a, a, a brother, almost like an equal. That's an encouraging thing, okay? Uh, you know, in today's culture, a lot of leaders are insecure about, you know, here's the, here's the real, let me stop and just get, you know, here's our real goal. Is not only lead people below us, but bring, but bring them up beside us and then promote them above us. It's not just to get a following and keep them below us, but it's to bring them up beside us and promote them above us. That's really, that's really, and we see this happening with Paul and Timothy. Uh, he called him a brother, a brother and a laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you, to encourage you concerning your faith. So he had all the confidence in the world that Timothy uh, uh, w- would be able to do that and that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we're appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also uh, 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 to see you. And on and on it goes. So Timothy came, he sent him there. Timothy came back, he encouraged them, he helped them, and he brought back a good report. And we see Paul and his relationship just seems to grow stronger and stronger and and deeper and wider and more impacting and more fruitful. How many of you know 
and, and I quote her all the time, and I should, I, I, she's worthy of it. But Mother Teresa said, I can do what you cannot do. You can do what I cannot do, but together we can do great things. And so when you think of stepping it up in, in, in your life and as a church family, we're definitely better together, okay? And so, so with a certainty, you see Timothy was, was one of, if not his primary right-hand man. In fact, you know it, you know it when he said, there's nobody. There's nobody like Timothy. There's nobody that's going to do you any better and any more right than Timothy, my true son in the faith. Uh, and so with that in mind, uh, here's, here's our step it up insight. Here we go. Here we go. I want to give a step it up insight. Here it is. As leaders, it's time to step it up with our investment and involvement with those who have, who God has placed into our lives. This is where I want us to think about for a moment. We're going to, we're, we're going to ask some questions here in a little bit about who we are and, and, and our relationship with God and others. As le- we think about, you know, as Christians, we think about, man, I, I got to have a strong relationship with Jesus. And we do. I gotta, I gotta seek God, and we should. But when it comes to stepping it up ministry wise, as leaders, and let me just pause. Well, you might be saying, well, I'm not a leader. I got some teenagers here. I'm not a leader. Well, yes, we all are. On some level, uh, you have the capacity to influence others in your life. In fact, let me tell you, as teenagers, God brings people in your life that you can influence. In fact, uh, we'll look at it more later, but Paul told Timothy, he was a young guy, and he told him in 2 Timothy, let me tell you what you do in the church. Let me tell you how to be an example. You're an example to others, and don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let them look down on your youth. Uh, Hey, because you're a person of influence. And everybody said, amen. So on some level, and let me just tell you, leadership is not a title. It is not a position. It is, it is a calling of God. It is, in fact, John Maxwell, the great leadership guru, uh, he said this basically, that it's more than this, but he said, leadership is influence. Uh, and, uh, and it really is. Uh, you know, there's not you just some people that have titles have no influence, but there's people who have no titles, have more influence uh, than anybody. And sometimes the leader is really not the leader. It's the person with the most influence. And so here's, here's, here's what I want you to see tonight. As leaders, it's time to step it up with our investment involvement with those who God has placed in our life. Look at this relationship that Paul and Timothy had. And, and it ought to, it ought to stir us to think and ponder about our relationship, not just with God, but with others who God has placed in our life. And, and, and we're going to ask some questions, uh, about that tonight. Let me just, let me show you. I think I don't even know how to say it. This depth of relationship, really a father-son type relationship, or I can say even a mother-daughter relationship, you know, because how many of you know uh, women have leadership potential and they have a responsibility of investing in others, especially in, you see it biblically in, in, uh, in, in younger women. But I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 4. Go back. Uh, I, um, I, I want you to see this. First, go back to... 1 Corinthians 4, and Paul says something that we need to see. Uh, and, and it's really the, even the subheading, which is not a part of the original uh, text. It says, Paul's p- 
paternal care. In other words, his parenting, his fatherly care. Catch verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my what? Beloved children, I warn you. You see, he had a, he had a paternal heart for this church in Corinth. He was their spiritual father in a very real sense. And look what he says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you. There he is, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. Now some, uh, and I'll stop right there. Uh, so look at this paternal understanding Paul has concerning not only Timothy, uh, but this church. And I'm going to just use some, uh, some pastoral license here. He's describing this relationship he has. He's unloading on them. He's downloading on them who he is to them. He said, let me just tell you, and, and he's doing it in a way where it's very, it's not, it's not haughty or arrogant. It's just honest. How many of you know, I don't have to, uh, do anything more than say, I'm Stacy's dad. It's just a fact. And Paul just factually was their spiritual paternal father in the faith. He had, had in, a, in a very real sense, birthed and built the church there. Uh, and he says, he says, there's not many fathers. You got a lot of teachers, but there's not many fathers. In other words, there's, there's a, there's a, a vacuum here of spiritual fatherhood and depth of relationship. And then he said, imitate me, therefore I urge you, imitate me. I think what he's saying here, he's saying, this relationship that I have with you, you imitate me. You do that with others. In fact, I'm going to send you Timothy, another son in the faith. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to, he's going to help you. He's going to lead you. And he's my example and model. And this is what you need to be doing as well as a church. You need to be re reproducing after like kind. And it's not just getting a bunch of students, but it's getting disciples of Christ and building depth of relationship with people that will be life-changing and not only life-changing, but world-changing. How many of you know Paul... And the world would have suffered had it not been for this depth of relationship that Paul is modeling for this church and is modeling for us today. Are you with me? Say amen. So now fast forward back to First and Second Timothy. Paul's two letters to Timothy were fatherly words of encouragement to step it up. And, and one of the big reasons was Paul knew his days were numbered. I don't know how far, I didn't look at it, and I should have done this, but how far apart these two letters were. It could have been months, could have been years. I don't know. I wish I'd have done that for you. But, but uh, most theologians believe that when he wrote 2 Timothy, it's right to Timothy. It's not a church letter. It's just to Timothy, okay? His, his number one right-hand man who was faithfully serving him on the mission field. And, and in, in 1 Timothy, he was in Ephesus because it says, uh, um, 
let me just get back over there. I think verse 3, um, uh, 1 Timothy, verse 3, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So most, most theologians believe he was in, in Ephesus, at the church in Ephesus, serving as some form of interim pastor or or apostolic uh, uh, hand extended to the, to the church to, to help them and to keep them from falling prey to the false doctrine of the day, so on and so forth. Uh, and so, uh, but he knew in the second, especially in the second letter, that his days were numbered. Most, most theologians that believe that Paul died within two or three years after he wrote the first or, or the second letter. So Paul knew that. How many of you know he knew in his knower, my days are numbered? And in fact, just so you know, go to 2 Timothy, uh, and he says in verse 6, oh, you know, you go back to verse 4 and you get this, you get this, and we'll look more at the Verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you, therefore, he's talking to Timothy, and he says, preach the word, and on and on and on. He's charging, he's challenging, he's encouraging to, to lift it all to another level. And he says, and here's why. For I am already being poured out, verse 6, as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but all of those who love is appearing. And then it's kind of interesting. Paul starts kind of bearing his soul to Timothy about his hurt in broken relationships. Demas has forsaken me. And then only Luke is with me. And then he, he talks about Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. And he was a, he was a hurting man in the latter days of his life. And, and thank God he had Timothy. And I'm convinced the world that would not have been evangelized and uh, uh, the way it was, the known world had, would not have been evangelized had it not been for his key guy, Timothy. So now, here we go. I'm going to give you some questions, some step it up kingdom questions for all of us to ask. Are you ready? Oh, I, yeah, there was that thought. It's possibly, what did I say? It's possibly the missing link of kingdom expansion, the possible missing link of kingdom expansion is this depth of relationship we see between ministry. In other words, I believe the better, the, the deeper and broader and wider and more connected we are relationally, the greater influence we have in the earth. How many of you would kind of go along with me on that? I think that's true. I really do. So now here we go. Let's go. Uh, step it up kingdom questions. The first one, who am I? Everybody say, who am I? Now this is important because when we think about this relationship, who am I? Paul, there was no question in his mind about his identity in Christ. Both, both letter, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ under the command of God. This is who I am. I'm a father in the faith. I have, he knew definitively and clearly where he stood and his role in the earth and his role in the church. And he took it seriously and he did not, uh, 
he did not downplay his responsibility as a leader, as a spiritual father, as an, as an apostle, as a teacher, as a, as a person of influence in the kingdom of God. He knew exactly who he was in Christ. And, and this is important for us as we think about this big picture, as we think about, oh, the depth of relationship that we need with one another and specifically with other key people in our life. You know, Paul had key people in his life. Jesus had key people in his life that, that were with him. And, 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 you know, we know Paul, when you look at Jesus, John, the revelator was his best friend on planet earth. And so Paul understood his role. I'm going to put it on pause. I'm 60 years old. And a number of years ago, God began to deal with me about who I was in the kingdom of God. And I'm still struggling with it. I'm a little slow. But his challenge to me was to be what I want you to be, even though you didn't really have any long-term consistent, I'm talking about myself, spiritual fathers in the faith. You now are one. You're missing some things, and I'll help you. Clearly, I've got some gaps in my life concerning spiritual fatherhood. And God spoke to me a number of years ago, and he said, this is what I want you to be. This is who you are. And and, and wherever it fits, let the shoe fit. Can I? I'm going to tell you a story. It might make me cry. A couple of weeks ago, we were gathered together with the pastors and church leaders. And you, you saw the bells. If you were here Sunday night, you see the bell family, all the, that wasn't all of them, by the way. That's just a few little bells ringing. There's a, there's like 18 of them ringing now. They got 18 bells. And, and, uh, you know, this, if you know me and you know our, the story, uh, uh, Jody's husband, my dear friend, long-term friend, Dave Bell on a Sunday morning, four year, four plus years ago, got to the church office walked in his office, sat down with his McDonald's coffee, opened his Bible, and went to heaven. Shocked the whole world. Shocked me. Broke our hearts. Broke those kids' hearts. Beverly and I, because of the depth of relationship with that family, I mean, we were a close-knit family. In fact, one, one time, <laughs> I probably told you this, uh, they showed up, all, all seven of them, uh, at our doorstep years ago, and just said, hi, how are y'all doing? I said, where are you coming here? What are y'all doing? We just came to hang out for two or three days. Okay, it's great. We did. That's the kind of folks we were. Okay. Fast forward to, or rewind back to Dave's death. Beverly and I dashed home after church in shock. We had a little rod in the back of our car for clothes. We just grabbed clothes and hung them up and took off. Jody was actually in Quitman where we used to pastor uh, doing a ladies' event when she got the call that her husband... And so Beverly and I, on the way home, I call her a Jody. I am so... I mean, what do you say? She just found out her husband, the father of her five strapping boys, has gone to heaven. And we said, we're headed to San Antonio. We'll meet you there. And so we did. We got there. Got there before she did. Walked into that house with 
those boys with blank stares on their faces and some of them married. They're just all sitting there in shock. And a little later, Jody shows up and we stayed all week and, 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 and she looked me, and here's what she said to me. She said, now, she said to me, you're my brother. You're like my brother. I need you to be my brother. Can you? And I said, I'm your brother. And what she was saying is, I'm looking to you. I need your help. I'm going to tell you, I didn't realize the depth of our relationship. All of a sudden, I'm her dear brother, and I'm helping her plan her husband's funeral. And I'm thinking of a church of a thousand and family. I realized, oh, my gosh, who am I to these people? And who? It was a journey, and it's been a journey. And I reached out to Matt. As, as eventually he became the senior pastor, and we walked together these past four years, and especially the first year, helping them not only grieve the loss of their father, but keep their church moving forward and work with them a lot of times behind the scenes. And I helped Matt along the way as he needed help, uh, and we worked together. And so now fast forward to two weeks ago, we're all talking about how we need one another and relationships with one another. Matt says, can I say something? And I said, well, sure. He said, we don't just need friends. And I'm going, okay. He said, we need pastors in our lives. Pastors need pastors. And he said, the day my daddy died, you showed up at my house. And that's the day you became my pastor. I'm going, (laughs) and Jody's going, and yes, they were there loving my kids before I could ever get to them. And all of a sudden I realized, I know who I, hey, I'm, I'm, sl- I'm a little slow, but I'm learning. And this is what we need to ask ourselves, who am I? And what has God called me to do on planet earth as a leader and a person of influence? And embrace that. And began to move in that because if we don't, if we don't step into the gracing and the gifting of God for our life on whatever level it may be, and on some level, all of us have people in our life who, who look to us and who God wants us to be an influence in their life. So here's kingdom question number one about stepping it up. Who am I? And why am I here? Here's number two. And why am I here? Think about even this church right here. Who am I and why am I here? Well, I just here. I just, you know, got engaged to one of the members, and, you know, you know, Josh. You know, I married one of the pastor's daughters, so that's why I'm here. Bless God. How many of you know we need to step it up a little bit if that's the case? I'm just joking with these right here. They know. Why am I here? Now, Paul had no, again, he had no question marks about why he was here. In fact, look at verse 11, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. Let me follow. Uh, in fact, verse 11, he's talking about, I'm going to jump in the middle of context that they're fornicators and murderers, that the law is made for them. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, he said, he says in verse 10, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, in other words, you need to, you need to deal with those things that are contrary to sound doctrine, then how you do so in verse 11 is in accordance 
to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul said, let me tell you where your cornerstone is uh, of, of truth. It's the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. See, Paul, Paul's talking about how he's the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel was committed to his trust. Now, back up. He knew why he was here. He goes on to say, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Also, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was uh, exceedingly abundantly with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom, I've chief, whom I'm chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe. I love this thought. As a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. And everybody say amen. Now, Paul the apostle had a clear understanding of who he was and why he was here. Most people, not only in the church, don't have a clue of who they are, their that God, the, the response, the role of responsibility that God has, nor do they understand why they're here. In fact, if you wanted to melt it down, most people believe that the reason they're here is so people can bless them. But that's not the case. Paul had a very, in fact, let me just give you, because the sermonizer in me, Pastor Sonny calls me the sermonator or something. He, cause, cause he, he just loves how to put sermons together. In fact, just between us, uh, who'd he equate me? He said, the only people I know put sermons together as good as you is you and, uh, oh, some guy on the radio. I went, gee, thanks. That's so nice of you to say. Uh, but here's the sermonator in me. Why am I here? Paul knew clear. I gave you these verses because of the ministry of the gospel. That verse 11. Man, it's all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He knew why he was here, because the message of grace. And if you study the life of Paul and the teachings of Paul, he says in verse, look at verse 11, he says this. He said, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God who was committed to my trust, and then he, then he moves down uh, uh, and he says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry Although as formerly, a, 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 where, oh, verse 14, and the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant with faith. When you study the life of Paul, his message that was the revelatory message that transformed the culture of all the world was the message of grace. For by grace you were saved through faith. That's the message of the gospel. And so he was an ambassador, a messenger of grace. It's not the law. In fact, that's what he just got through talking about. People who are just all full of the law, but they're not full of Jesus. What they need is the message of grace. Paul knew why he was here. It's for the advance in the ministry of the gospel, for the message of grace to go forth in the earth. And then, and, and I'll say it this way, and to, and to express and, and be a role model of the mindset of going. Everyone say going. Now, let me show you this in verse 16. This is what ex exploded in me. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those show in me 
as a pattern to those who are going, who are going, this is future tense, who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Let me, let me tell you, here's, the, here's the, the mindset of going. People are going to get saved because of, of who I am and why I'm here. I love that. Why am I here? I'm here as an example and role model for people to get saved. People are going. It's the, the mindset of going. I wonder what it would be like if we woke up with that mindset. No, here's why I'm here. I'll tell you why I'm here. Because today, I'm a role model and an example of Christ in the earth. I'm, a, I'm the light of the world. And guess what? I'm here and people are going to get saved because of Christ in me. Whoo! And that fires me up. People are going to get saved because of me. That transformed the world, would it not? If about 10, 20, 30% of our church family would wake up every morning, I wonder who's going to get saved. Because Now, how many of you know we save no one? But how many of you know we're here as the light of the world so people can find Christ? Amen. We're the messengers. We're the ambassadors for Christ, Paul said to the Corinthians. Paul knew why he was here. And then I love this last one. Here's the sermonator in me. For the motivation of glorifying God. And, and, and to me, I'll just tell you, I, I try to, re- maybe I read too much into this, but when Paul's writing, you know, he, he, you can't call and you, you can't get the inflection of his voice. How many of you know, some, have you ever gotten trouble texting when you said something innocent and you texted it and people didn't know the inflection of your voice and they come back and say, why are you so hacked off at me? I, you know, you just go, oh, that doesn't work. But, so Paul, there's only way of writing, he's writing a letter, but I can see the inflection and the excitement in his life. He said, let me tell you why I'm here. You want to know why I'm here? Because of the message of the gospel. It's the good news. And because of grace. For by grace you're saved through faith. And because because of what Christ has done in me. This is, and people are going to get saved because of what Christ has done in my life. And oh, by the way, now to the King eternal, invisible, the God who alone is wise, to him be honor and glory forever, ever. Amen. He said amen before he ever got to the end of the letter. Because amen says, so be it. Whoo, this is, whoo, that's why I'm here. Hallelujah, amen. So when you look at this letter of Paul to Timothy, man, how many of you think Timothy, when he read that, he went, whoo, he got fired up there in a hurry. He gave him all, and Paul and Timothy knew, this is my father in the faith. This is who undoubtedly, I'm going to pick the, he's going to hand the baton off to me. This man knew why he was here and how his relationship, not only with Timothy and others, was so important. Here's another question, step it up, kingdom question about relationships. Who am I? Why am I here? Here's another one we ought to ask. And who are my true sons and daughters in the faith? Or let me ask you this, or do I have any true sons or daughters in the faith? And if not, why do I not have true sons and daughters in the faith? Why has my life not led like Paul said? Let me tell you why I'm here. People are going to get saved because of what Christ has done in my life. I'm embracing the mindset of going. People are going to get saved because of the ministry of Christ in me and through me. 
And so when we look at this big deal about Paul and Timothy and this relational connection and how it compounded together as a great a global evangelical power uh, force and influence and church building and kingdom expanding influence, it might be smart of us, might be smart of me not only to say, who am I and why am I here, but who are the true sons and daughters? In the faith, that word true, by the way, it he used, it means legitimate and genuine. Who are the people that you've influenced and who are in your world of influence that God has put into your life? Who you have a responsibility over spiritually. And if you can't think of anybody, then you have to ask, well, why? Why have I, and, and, and let me tell you, I've been walking through this in my own life. Again, a number of years ago, I got called in on the spiritual carpet because I was not being what God said I was. And I'm still trying to figure it out. But how many of you appreciate a pastor, even though he's slow, he stays with it? <laughs> I'm not giving up. So who are my true sons and daughters in the faith? Do I have any sons and daughters in the faith? Is there anybody in my world that I have influenced to the point that they would say, it's because of you? I'm going to tell you, when Matt Bell, in front of a lot of great men and women, pointed at me and said, let me tell you who I know who you are and how you relate. You're my pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor. You're my pastor. I'm telling you, it blessed me, but man, it, it just, you know what he was saying? This is legit right here. This is just not, this is legit. I'm telling you, it's legit. It's genuine, it's real, it's true. Anyway, uh, we need to ask ourselves those questions. Here's another one. Here's one. Uh, and if, 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 if you answer yes, yeah, do, I do have sons or daughters in the faith, people of, in my world that I have influenced to the point that they look to me spiritually on some level. If, if, if the answer is yes, then what are my responsibilities to these sons and daughters and brothers and sisters in the faith that God has placed in my life? What, what's my responsibility to them and how do I relate to them and how do I encourage them? Uh, let me just throw these out. I'm going to give you some quickies here from the scripture from, from Timothy, verse 16, pardon me, verse 16 of chapter one. He said, I'm a pattern. Be a pattern. Be an example to people. Uh, these people in your life, they need somebody to follow. Be something of cred where people can look, don't have to say, do as I say, not as I do. Be a, be a real bona fide pattern that people can look to and say, when I grow up, I want to be just like, you know, him. When I, when I step into another level of ministry, I'm following that pattern. And verse three, uh, he told Timothy, I urge you, you know, that, that's a strong word, uh, uh, 
I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. Man, that's a strong word. As pastors and as leaders, we have a, we have a voice in people's life. And that's what we need to understand. Paul said, I urged you to do this. Verse 18 he, of that same, he said, this charge, that means command, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies made concerning them, that by them you wage the good warfare. Chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort, first of all, that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Man, these are words. And then verse 7 of chapter 2, he said this, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Man, we teach. And so as at the responsibilities of, uh, uh, that we have with those around us, we're a pattern. Uh, uh, we, 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 have, we have a voice. We urge, we charge, we exhort, we teach. And then chapter 4, verse 14, if you went over to that, it says this, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by the prophet, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership, just really, uh, honestly, uh, that's a picture of, 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 of Paul and, and the church leaders. They not only raised him up, but they released him. They laid hands on him. They anointed him. They, they let him go and they, they encouraged him to, 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 to you know, uh, stretch his wings and be what God had called him to be. And then another thing we do for those that God has placed in our life, and there's a lot more here, but just these are a few. We warn. In fact, this, these two letters are warnings. There's some warnings uh, that, you know, uh, concerning ministry and, and latter days and false prophets and, and evil and deceiving spirits and the love of money um, and, and profane and idle babbling. And you can read it when you read this whole letter, but... Uh, you know, here's, here's just one, verse 11 of chapter 6. But you, O man of God, after he talked about the love of money, flee these things and pursue righteousness. He's warning him about things. And as fathers and in people of influence in the earth, we gotta say, we got to say, who are the people God's placed in my life? What are my responsibilities to them? And when we understand more of who we are, it's more than just, hey, good to see you in church. Let's go to the movies. It's a depth of relationship. And then one more question that we all need to ask. Who are my spiritual mentors, pastors? And what are my responsibilities to them? Paul didn't take his responsibility as a father in the faith lightly. But let me tell you, Timothy didn't take his responsibility lightly either. If you go back to Philippians 2 uh, that we read earlier, uh, he said, there's none like him. This guy takes it seriously. He's all in. I trust him implicitly with, with, with you. As I, I send him to you. And we see Paul, uh, Timothy, took his responsibility seriously. He said, there's nobody like him. Others, they all seek their own ultimately. And I've learned this about, about some people. They come, they call you pastor. Hey, pastor. But what they're really is trying to find a stepping stone somewhere to just get them what they want. And they really have no depth of relationship. But that wasn't Timothy. He said, man, hey, I'm in it for life. 
So we need to, who are our spiritual mentors? Who are our pastors and leaders? And that was my big question. And it still is a lot, but now I'm 60 years old. But so, so I let my friends pastor me. I let, I let, you know what I'll do? Don't tell Matt this. I'll let him pastor me a little bit. He, he doesn't realize it. I learn from him. I grow from him. And I'm, I'm submitted and committed to my friends and I have people in my life. Uh, but I was, I didn't have a lot of spiritual mentors. People who spoke into my life. I could tell you the sad stories, but uh, it's just the facts. And as a result, I had some gaps in my spiritual life and my leadership uh, 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 in, in insights that I'm still trying to uh, recover from and 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 to fix in my life. But hey, here we are tonight, all of us, when we think about stepping it up. And the church expanding, it begins with relationships. And our success is not based upon a program. Well, we're going to, we're going to, and there's a lot of them. We're going to, and, and we may do something. Hey, we got an evangelistic program we're going to put on and it's going to, and we're going to reach out to the world and, and people are going to get, yeah, those are all right. But listen, let me tell you, uh, when it comes to long-term tenured success, it's depth of relationship uh, in the in the church family, that uh, makes the biggest difference, especially when it comes to us understanding who are we in this thing called church. I'm just a member of the church. That's so shallow. I'm just a member. In fact, you know, some people who are members of the church, they still call it your church. Well, we're, we're, we love when we come join your church. No, it's your church. You're part of the family. What's my hey? Where do I fit and what's my responsibilities? Who am I? Why am I here? Who are the people that God has placed in my life to influence? And who are the people that God has placed in my life as influencers? What are my responsibilities as as a person of influence or as someone who is following after someone who is being pastoral or, or mentoring us? Big questions. Everybody say, who am I? We need to embrace those thoughts. Well, I hope that helped you a little bit tonight and you think about your own personal life and stepping it up. We can't miss this part. We've got to let Paul and Timothy's relationship challenge us to another level and another depth of relationship. And we've got to look at our lives. Listen, uh, I, 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 Paul said there are not many fathers there's a lot of instructors, not many fathers. In other words, there's a void here, and we need more fathers. We need more people to step it up when it comes to leadership relationships. Amen?